Hey guys, Jesse Newell here, KU beat writer for the Kansas City Star. On today's episode, I bring on Rob Doster, who is the national college basketball analyst for NBCSports.com. He was in Brooklyn for KU's 87-81 victory over Tennessee in the NIT, so we talk about KU from a national perspective. What did he see from Yoko Azubuki and also Quentin Grimes? What are some of the challenges that Bill Self faces here in a season with a new team? And then we have some Big 12 discussion at the end, along with maybe and perhaps a surprise pick for who KU's next coach might be if Bill Self ever does decide to go to the NBA. I know that's not something that, that is probably going to happen or is likely going to happen, but it seems to be a topic of discussion that fans like to discuss. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That helps us out if you can. Without further ado, let's get to Rob Doster, our conversation with him from NBC Sports. Happy to welcome Rob Doster onto the podcast. Rob, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I uh, had a good Thanksgiving, watched some hoops over the weekend, and I'm ready to go. I'm fired up. Yeah, well, I want to talk some KU basketball throughout the rest of this podcast. You were there for the uh, the NIT tournament. I guess it's the NIT tip-off. It used to be the uh, preseason NIT back in the, in the glory days, like when KU was playing John Calipari's UMass teams, but I guess NIT tip-off is the official way to say it. But you mentioned Thanksgiving. I saw a familiar face in the Brooklyn media room, and, and that, that food was pretty good for uh, for being around Thanksgiving spread, so I was pretty happy with that. But, yeah, I saw you in there, so I figured we'd get your national perspective uh, on Kansas since you watched so many teams and saw them play. But uh, first off, yeah, food pretty good. Did, did you like the, uh, the offerings there in the Barclays Center? You know – I was a little bit disappointed with the actual meal itself. <laughs> okay. the, the brisket was all right. I, I went full fade on the pasta, full fade on the salad. You know, I, <laughs> I, I didn't know if that was iceberg or romaine, if I'm allowed to actually eat uh, lettuce these days or what. So I had to fade the pasta and I faded the salad. But um, I'm, I'm kind of like a sucker for the cookies that they have at these uh, things. Yeah. Barclays has, Barclays has good cookies. The place you got to get the cookies or is that MSG? Anytime Kansas is at MSG, and look, this is gonna, this is a little bit of an insider secret. So I'm <laughs> in, don't don't let anybody know. But if you get there and you get those those the, the cookies that they have at MSG, those things are like life changing. The key is you got to get there early. Normally they bring them out at the start of the second half, or or, or at the end of the first half between uh, the first half and the second half halftime, if you will. And you got to get there fast because one, if Matt Norlander is covering it he's going to grab like nine chocolate chip cookies and the chocolate chip cookies are the go-tos. So you got to make sure you get there before Norlander does. And two, make sure that you get chocolate chip. The oatmeal raisin is good. They got this like white chocolate macadamia nut, which is pretty good. But the chocolate chips are the life's changers. So, so there you go. Next time you are at Madison Square Garden, halftime, go get the chocolate chip cookies. I'm not lying to you. I swear they're, they're, they're life changers. <laughs> I'm there for it. This is the kind of insight I brought you on for, Rob, is this sort of uh, cookie deep dive that we just had right here. And uh, Look, if there's something I'm an expert on, it's cookies. <laughs> That's great stuff. Well, let's talk about Kansas. Um, 87-81 victory over Tennessee. Uh, overtime in the Barclays Center, obviously in the, uh, in the NIT. I just wanted to get your thoughts and uh, your observations of Kansas. Obviously, you watch a lot of basketball when it comes to a national perspective, and so you can kind of see Kansas in a little different light, a little different perspective uh, than those of us who watch Kansas mostly every single game. So uh, I guess what were your first impressions of the Jayhawks as you saw them in this game against the Volunteers? Uh, my first impressions were that um, I was – you know, a little upset that we couldn't get Yudoka Azubuki out there for 40 minutes. You know, it seems like every game he plays, he's in foul trouble, or at least every game that I watch. Um, so uh, I was a little upset about that. I, you know, he's he's kind of like a, a relic 
to a, a an era of basketball that has kind of left us behind. But I still love watching that guy play, man. He's just, he's so big. He makes dunks look so effortless. He he he's got to be what like two hundred seventy pounds of solid muscle, um, you know. And and I always enjoy when he gets to the free throw line and people celebrate uh, when he goes one for two, uh, <laughs> like he just hit a game winning shot. So I, I was the, my my first impression was I just wish that we got a little bit more out of him. But beyond that, you know, I just I was expecting more out of Quentin Grimes this season. Is that uh, am I going a little too hard on him? Like I, I thought that that he looks like he is. You know, after that performance he had in the Champions Classic, I, I thought that he was going to be kind of on his way to having a really, really, really big year. And he just kind of looks like another freshman out there, right? Yeah, I, I've seen some mock drafts out there, and, and there was one this morning. I can't remember the site, but had him drop down to 12. I think most preseason ones had him in like the 6 to 8 range and sort of talked about some of the same concerns that, that you're talking about, Rob, which are just a lack of aggressiveness out there. And I think in a weird way, this sort of speaks to the Udoka thing that you're talking about. Um, it's a difficult spot for Quentin Grimes to be in right now, I think, because KU is right now very big focused. You know what I mean? Like, they are the goal and stated intention of every offensive possession right now, most of the time, for Bill Self, is to get the ball to Diedrich Lawson, get the ball to Yodoka Azabuki. And likewise, when those two guys get the ball, they have been very aggressive about shooting it and trying to take over. And uh, because of that, it sort of has left these guards in, in a weird spot, which I think you've seen with previous guards before, maybe in, in Kansas system as well, where, you know, especially Devon Dotson and Quentin Grimes, they're both freshmen. And as freshmen, you're new to the program. You're part of this program that's won 14 straight Big 12 titles you're sort of trying to fit in first. You know what I mean? You fit in first, you thrive later. And, and though he had the great game against Michigan State, I, I think right now he's just kind of gotten to a point where he is has settled a little bit and, and is not being as aggressive as he needs to be because he feels like he needs to cater to the big men or defer to the big men, if that makes any sense. So Bill Self talked about after the game, he said he really wasn't sure what was up with Quentin Grimes. A lot of times, even KU runs a lot of ball screens for their guards, even if um, even if the main objective is to get the ball inside, but he's saying Quentin is not coming off that aggressively. He's not driving hard. He's not trying to get to the rim, and there's going to be more traffic in the lane when you're playing two bigs. I understand that, but right now he's just not playing the type of style and the t- with the type of aggressiveness that Bill Self wants, and uh, I don't think you're the only person seeing that. I think NBA scouts are seeing that. I think Bill Self is seeing that, and I think at some point Quentin Quinn- Grimes is going to see that, and more than likely, we've seen this turn out well for Kansas before. There's going to be a, 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 a switch that is flipped, and uh, all of a sudden, Quentin Grimes will be another good freshman for Kansas. It just hasn't happened as of yet. Yeah, and, and I think part of it also has to do with the fact that LeGerald Vick is somehow turned into Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah. And they more or less kind of – like what they're going to be asked to do offensively is kind of the same thing, right? Like they're athletic guys. They're guys that can shoot. They're going to be the players that are out there to kind of space the floor and make sure that you can't throw double teams at Udoka Azubuki and you can't throw um, double teams at Diedrich Lawson. They're, they're, they're kind of there as complementary pieces. And if you're one complementary piece and you're sitting there and you're watching LeGerald Vick make eight threes against Vermont and you watch him go, what was it, like seven for seven for 12 against um, Louisiana. And if you watch him score 65 points in a week, you watch him against Tennessee that second half. He had like – there was a one-minute stretch – where Kansas was losing, I think they were down by as much as nine in the second half, and they start whittling away, whittling away, and then all of a sudden, Gerald like bangs a three, bangs another three, and then hits a pull-up jumper. And you're Quentin Grimes, and you're watching this dude, this senior, play like that. 
how do you kind of step up and say, okay, we have to get the ball to Yudoka Azubuki. We have to get the ball to Dietrich Lawson. I got this guy that's a senior that is playing absolutely out of his mind. Who, when does he step up? Like, when is it his turn? And I can kind of understand how that passive mindset sets in when you're being told, we want the ball to go inside. We're not running offense through you while you're watching the other guy on the floor kind of go crazy every other game. So I, I understand why it might be a little bit of an issue for him. And I think it goes to like a bigger, a bigger picture thing with Kansas where I, I just don't feel like we've seen them anywhere near their peak at any point this season. Like there's always been a time where you're like, Okay, yeah, Dedrick Lawson had 24, 13 to 5, but you know, Azubuki wasn't really out there. They were down by nine in the second half. You know, they were relying on, on Charlie Moore to play 32 minutes and KJ Lawson to play 19 minutes. That's not exactly going to be the kind of thing that Kansas can win on consistently. Or against Vermont, you know, they were down by four in the second half. They were down by 12 to Louisiana. Uh, they, they blew a 15 point lead against Michigan State in a game where. You know, that was probably the closest that we've seen to them really clicking and really playing at their best. But even then, like, Gerald Vick was not really having all that good of a game and, and, and it didn't really seem like they had a bench when they played uh, in that Champions Classic. So it just feels like, and, I, and you know, Bill actually, he, he kind of alluded to this after the game. It just, it doesn't feel like he's gotten everybody to understand exactly what he wants out of them, everyone to know exactly what their role is and everyone to feel comfortable with what they're being asked to do on that roster. You think that's fair? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, if we're being honest, I don't think... <laughs> I think Bill is struggling a little bit right now, too, because, um, I mean, not struggling in a way that has cost Kansas. They're five and oh. I mean, he's struggling to find the identity is, of his own team. If you look at that game, and you were there, Rob, KU was, was so intent on trying to get the ball to Udoka, um, they just kept turning it over. And that was first half, early in the second half. And when Udoka fouled out, uh, their offense got a lot better because they went back to their four guard, they went back to their spread game, and it really they weren't hitting a ton of shots. They were mostly just getting a shot every possession, which was kind of a, an improvement over what they did before. And I actually looked up the numbers, and this is sort of, I don't want to call it a, a dilemma. It's not a dilemma. You having Udoka Azubuki is not a dilemma, but it's sort of like trying to figure out the best way to utilize all these pieces together. Um, I looked up the on and off court numbers from from Udoka in the Tennessee game. Uh, when he was on the court, KU scored 0.88 points per possession. When he was off, KU scored 1.19. And on defense, it was the opposite. When when he was on the court, Tennessee scored 0.81 points per possession. When he was off, Tennessee scored 1.11. So Bill Self always every year, and and this is a great way to do it and a great way to think about it as a coach. He's trying to get closest to Kansas's ceiling. You know, how can they reach their potential? And right now it's just a complicated question because, like, their offense looks get better when they run the four-guard stuff. But their defense looks better when Udoka's in the game. And their offense looks great against undermatched opponents when they can throw it over the top inside against Udoka. But when they play big opponents like Tennessee that can guard them better or get Udoka in foul trouble, their four-guard offense looks better. So I don't know if it's a curse or a blessing. It's like KU is really versatile. And Bill Self is nimble enough on his feet that they can kind of pick and choose and figure out before the game ends which style is best for that particular opponent. But going into a game and maybe trailing early on, sometimes you, you, you fall behind because you're not really sure. You don't have a go-to. You don't have the one thing you know is going to work every single game. You kind of have a bunch of different pieces that you know can work if you need them to, but you're not sure on any given night what you're going to need. Does that make any sense? Yeah, and it, it does. And I think it they, they have a little bit um, – I, 
think that part of what makes them really intriguing this year and, and why I'm interested to see where this goes is, so last season they didn't really have like that security blanket, right? They more or less had to play Udoka at the five regardless of what happened. And when they ran into teams that wanted to play small, like Villanova, they kind of got run out of the gym because Udoka is what he is. Like he's not going to be out there chasing um, fives that can make threes all over the floor. Like he, he needs to be within like six feet of the rim or there's just no point to have him out there. You got to get him out. And this year that changes a little bit because if you have to, you can play Diedrich at the five, right? Like you can play Diedrich alongside Mitch Lightfoot and you're probably okay. You can play him as we saw. Yeah. Yeah. You could, he, he could play KJ there. I think if you had to, you could put Diedrich out there with Gerald Vick, Quentin Grimes, Devin Dotson, and Marcus Garrett, and you're probably going to be just fine against a team that wants to play small. So I think that there's more versatility in the lineups that they can put out there. It makes them a little bit more matchup-proof, and that probably makes them a little bit more intriguing when the tournament comes around. The issue, like we touched on earlier, is just that they got to find like the happy, happy medium. Like You can't just have – let me put it like this. It's felt like this season, the reason they're winning is because they have a dude just go absolutely bonkers, right? <laughs> yeah. Whether it's Gerald Vick against Vermont or Gerald Vick against Louisiana or Dietrich Lawson um, in one of the other three games. I don't think that that is sustainable. I don't think that you can necessarily say, well, it doesn't really matter if we play great or not because, you know, Dietrich is just going to go get us 25-15 or Gerald Vick is going to go out there and bang six threes. You know, or Udoka is going to go out there and get 25 to 15 for us. You can't really rely on that. And uh, I just, it's been getting them by the fact that they have really, really good players. But at some point, Bill has to find a way to get all those pieces to kind of fit together. And I, I, I mean, I think if he was on here right now, he would tell us that he hasn't done it yet. But he's getting there. He's getting closer. They're five and zero. Oh. They have the best resume in college basketball, and we haven't seen them come anywhere near like what we thought they could end up being. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. You know, sometimes these things take a little while to figure out. Hey, it's Blair Kirkhoff. And if you're listening to this, you love Kansas City sports, whether it's the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting, Mizzou, KU or K-State. And no one covers these teams like the Kansas City Star. If you currently subscribe to the paper or have a digital subscription, thank you for your support. And if you don't, here's a great offer. It's called Sports Pass, unlimited digital access to every sports story and video on KansasCity.com. And it's just $30 for the first year. It's the best sports value in town, just eight cents a day or $2.50 a month. You can't beat that. Subscribe now at KansasCity.com slash SportsPass. The way that Bill Self has coached over the past few years, you know, I think you would. There's not many coaches out there that you would put more faith in figuring it out because you saw the last couple of years he went to the four guard offense and you know completely scrapped what they did with the two bigs out of necessity and they found a way to make it work. And um, these are the sorts of challenges he's faced in the past. And in season, they obviously fix them because they have won. 14 straight regular season Big 12 titles. I mean, you don't do that without figuring out most of your problems by January and then running roughshod through a conference, which has been honestly pretty good over the course of the last five to six years. Hey, uh, look, not even January. Rankings. Not even January. It feels like we'll be a month into Big 12 play and we'll just have that conversation where it's like, oh, yeah, this is the year where Kansas is going to get it done because they're <laughs> yeah. two and three or, you know, they fell a game behind Texas Tech or whatever it is. And then somehow they end up 
winning the league again. Even though, and look, I, this might make not make me the most popular person on this this podcast. Actually, you know what? I'm always going to be more popular than you because I didn't rank Duke number one in the country this week. I knew but, you, were, you knew this was going to get in there somewhere. <laughs> I, knew, yep. I knew I was going to get in there. <laughs> um, but I will go to my grave saying that Texas Tech would have won the Big 12 regular season title last season if Keenan Evans did not break his toe. They were the best team in that conference, but Keenan Evans broke his toe. He wasn't the same player for the last, what was it, uh, seven, eight games, something like that. Texas Tech ended up losing four in a row, and then, you know, Kansas won, uh, whatever, 14, their 14th straight league title. But I will go to my grave saying that if Keenan Evans doesn't get hurt, that Texas Tech wins that league. It might be worth talking about that Texas Tech might be the number one challenger to Kansas this season, too, based off these early season results. It's sort of oh, amazing what they've Chris, done. Chris Beard is unbelievable. He is so, so good at coaching basketball and getting uh, pieces that are new to gel and to come together and, and buy into what he's selling. Like I don't know if you've had a chance to watch Jarrett Culver play this season. Man, he got so much better. You know, everyone thought he was going to end up being like stepping into that Zaire Smith role. No, he's playing point form. They're running him in ball screens. He's throwing some ridiculous passes. Like I, I just, I did a, I do a player of the year power rankings every Tuesday, and one of the notes that I had in there was about Jarrett Culver and how he's basically doing nothing but running ball screens and some of the passes that he's able to throw. He's averaging more than four assists this year. He's, he's, whoo, he's really, really good. Texas Tech is really, really good. They're, they're. Would you say they're the second best team in that conference? Uh, at the moment. Probably, right? I mean, I guess people from the preseason could still say K-State, but K-State hasn't been overly impressive against the uh, bad competition that it's played so far. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the other thing about Texas Tech, I just feel like, you know, Chris Beard hasn't been at with the Red Raiders very long, but you almost can just mark and pen their defense down. Like, you just feel like it's going to be a top-10 defense no matter what. Teams are just going to struggle to score against them, and um, he's sort of almost becoming huggy-proof, even though um, Huggins isn't off to a great start this year at West Virginia, but you just feel like no matter the personnel, no matter his guys, he's going to figure it out on that end, and, and that is something that you're going to have to face when you face a Red Raiders team. Yeah, they they just get up in you, man. They just get up in you, and they really, really guard. Like I think the one... He's kind of like... Tom Izzo, in a sense, where he is going, he, he requires you to play tough and play physical and play defense and give everything that you have every second that you're on the floor on that end. And if you do that, you're going to get minutes and then you'll figure it out offensively. Like he's, he's good enough where um, he can put guys in situations where they're going to succeed and he's going to be able to figure out who the guys are that can go out and make a play. You know, like last year when it came down to it, he basically just gave the ball to Keenan Evans and said, okay, go win us a game. I think that's what's going to happen this year with Jarrett Culver. And um, Tom Izzo was a little bit – and like, I think Jay Wright is kind of in that same mindset too where it's, it's, it's you're going to play hard and you're going to play tough and you're going to play our way and then we'll figure the rest out later or you're not going to be on the court. And I think that um, he's done a really good job of finding players that kind of buy into that mentality. I, the West Virginia thing like, – I was really surprised how high they were ranked in the preseason. Like Press Virginia, so much of that relies on the fact that like you have – unbelievable defensive guards and you know replacing uh, uh javon carter with beetle bolden i i don't know man replacing daxton <laughs> miles with jordan mccabe like those those guys are like uh, javon carter was like 6'2 215 pounds with a 6'8 wingspan and nothing but solid muscle like daxter miles was like 6'2 6'3 200 pounds like baltimore tough and you're going to replace him with like 5'11", Jordan McCabe, and, and six foot Beetle Bolden, who between the two of them might weigh 320 pounds. 
I just I didn't I don't I never I didn't get that one. I didn't understand why people were so high on them. Well, we'll see. I'm not counting them out yet, and a couple things can be true at the same time too, which is. Um, Man, I'm looking at these, the Ken Palm rankings. You're talking about we were talking about the strength of Big Twelve. You know, West Virginia has obviously dropped since the beginning of the season. They're 27th. So, but West Virginia's sixth in the Big Twelve, at least in that ranking, and yet 27th in the nation. So, once again, stacking up to be a very, very difficult Big Twelve. Since I'm already um, the least uh, liked person on this podcast, since you already mentioned that, Rob, I'll go ahead and say <laughs> something that's unpopular. You know, the question comes every year, which is mostly a, a, a fruitless and pointless exercise because most, more than likely, it'll never be a question that has to be answered. But there's always the, the question: If Bill Self left Kansas tomorrow or after the season, who would KU hire? And I'll tell you what, um, Chris Beard, since I'm you know the king of unpopular opinions today. He might be creeping up that list very, very quickly to be the guy that would be the slam dunk hire for Kansas if or when Bill Self decided to uh, to go somewhere else or to try a different path uh, at a different school or uh, team. So I, I will just say that out there. And like I said, I'm already unpopular, so there's no- nothing really to lose from this point on. I like how you said to try a different path when we're, we're we under we both kind of understand what you're saying without saying why Bill Self might end up having to leave Kansas, right? Is that why you're saying you're unpopular? Well, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Listen, I'm and, just trying and, to get you in trouble left you, and right you, here. You are, and and you will never be invited on the podcast again because of that. I hope you understand. So good oh, luck, CK Rob. Or the one making decisions. Now? <laughs> uh, I'm the one making decisions here. Um, no, I, no. In all seriousness, though, you're 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 exactly right about Chris Beard. I, I was having uh, this conversation with Sam Vecini the other day um, of the Athletic, and. Uh, he was saying he thinks Chris Beard right now at this moment is a top 10 coach in college basketball. And I don't know that I would necessarily disagree. The one thing I would say is I think that Beard, I don't know how well he would do once you just start giving him like blue chip five-star guys. Like One of the things that he's really, really good at is connecting with these guys that kind of have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder that are maybe – kind of underrated and underappreciated. And I wonder what would happen with the way that he coaches and the style that he coaches and how he gets the best out of his players when you start giving him five-star guys. Like, that was a concern we had about Shaka Smart, right? Like everything that made Havoc work was that you got these guys that had something to prove and played like it and played as hard as they possibly could for 40 minutes. And now he got to Texas, and maybe that doesn't necessarily work as well once you have – uh, players that are five-star guys, maybe one-and-dones or two-and-dones that may not necessarily buy into everything that comes with being a part of a program like that, right? So that's one thing that would concern me a little bit. But when it comes to, like, simple X's and O's, like, it just – Beard is up there with anybody. And, and, and look, if Kansas ended up going and hiring him, I would not be the person to say that's a bad hire. I would not be the person to criticize that. I would actually consider it a home run if he would end up taking that job. Yeah, and yeah. I, we had uh, Jordan Sperber on last week. Uh, you know, he runs the uh, Hoop Vision 68 account online. They, he just did a podcast this week with uh, Gibson Piper of Half Court Hoops. They start, they drafted drafted coaches who they would take. Basically, it was kind of a, a fun exercise, and uh, Chris Beard ended up very high on that too. So I think just X's and O's wise, yeah, you would wonder about how he would fare at a, a top program, but you also look at the success he's had basically everywhere he's gone, and um, I'm sure there were questions whether what he – did at Arkansas Little Rock would translate to Texas Tech, or what he did at Division II would translate to Arkansas Little Rock, and so far uh, he has passed all those with flying colors. Just to be clear uh, with Bill Self, no inside information here, nothing like that, but um, there are times, and I think the NBA 
regardless of all this FBI stuff that's happened recently, the NBA has always been something that's been a future challenge on Bill Self's mind that he's thought about and, and you know, had visions of doing maybe once in his life. He only lived once. Um, I don't know if that's changed over time. He has a very comfortable situation at Kansas. He gets the facilities that he wants, you know, the the housing arrangements, the weight room, whatever he needs, basically a check is written and he gets that for Kansas. So it's a very good situation in that regard. However, if you are just a coach, if you just like to coach the game, there are a lot of headaches that that are eliminated when you just go to the NBA. You know what I mean? There's no recruiting. There's no open season. You're not flying across the country for that stuff. You basically get to hunker down and coach. And so um, I don't know if that's a challenge Bill Self will take on. And he gets older, uh, a year older every single year. It might be more difficult for him to, to take on such a, a different sort of task from that point forward. But uh, just to be clear, he's got a great situation at Kansas. I have no inside knowledge of that sort of thing. But you never can rule out the possibility because I think the NBA has always intrigued him. And a lot of the ties he has with different people in the industry, like I believe it was his best man. I know he stood up at his wedding, R.C. Buford from the Spurs uh, out in the NBA. So, uh, well, that's that's yeah. the big one that's always out there. That's the 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 rumbling that never seems to go away. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, before I let you go, Rob, um, any other thoughts about Kansas as it relates to the entire, uh, I, I guess, entire college basketball landscape? What you saw from them, what you liked from them, from them compared to other teams, and of course, the final question is, why the heck wouldn't you have Duke number one? um so one last thing on on bill self in the nba i I think the most underrated aspect of being an nba coach versus being a college coach is that you don't get blamed for your players mistakes right like when it comes down to it if if when brad stevens right now when he's with the celtics right if marcus smart goes out and um and and punches somebody on the street or uh, one of his guys, or, or Jason Tatum goes out and gets a DUI, or whatever it is. If his guys start getting in trouble with the law, he doesn't get blamed for it. We talk about Jason Tatum did this. We talk about Marcus Smart did that. We talk about the the, the player made the mistake. When it comes to college, when you when when Bill Self's players in the past, when they've started getting in trouble, like the Josh Jackson team, this is yeah, no, especially on off court stuff. Absolutely, it's it's the yes. person's responsibility. It's the, yeah, and it comes, and the coach has to answer for the fact that like his players are messing up, and it's like he, look, yes, I understand it. They're young men; they're on his campus; they're under under his care, under his watch, whatever. But at the end of the day, like if Josh Jackson wants to go out and, and do whatever he did, or you know, a, a college player wants to go out and do whatever he did, it's not. It's not what can Bill Self really do? That's the headache you know? of the job, absolutely. That, and and so he takes some of the blame for that, and and that's something that. At some point, I know there are a lot of guys that just don't want to deal with that anymore. Once you stop have making a – once an 18-year-old's problems stop being your problems too, that's something that makes your life much, much easier. As far as Kansas goes, I currently have the number two. I have Gonzaga first. I don't think that you can go wrong ranking Gonzaga, Kansas, or Duke number one. I will back up your take that it's okay to rank Duke number one. Uh, it, it, they are – um, I think everybody that kind of understands this stuff would probably say that they're still the best team in the country. They're probably the favorite to win the national title. They would be favored on neutral court uh, against any team in college basketball. Um, one game, one one game results that was a two point game on a neutral court should not tell you everything that you need to know about whether or not one team is better than the other. Like there's fluky results that happen in games, whatever. Uh, I, I personally went with Gonzaga at number one. 
because I do not. I've 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 fought this fought this fight that you're fighting right now, Jesse, <laughs> and I'm done with it. Like polls it's... to me, I'm I'm off the idea that polls are supposed to determine who the number one team is. Whatever whatever these rankings are supposed to be, it's not who the best team in college basketball is. So I've stopped trying to fight that fight. I just rank them. I, I guess whatever. What, what's a poll supposed to tell you? Who the hottest team is? Who deserves to be number one? Who deserves to be ranked? Who, who who's had the uh, the the best resume, you know, who is the team that would like be the highest seed in the NCAA? Whatever it ends up being, that's what polls are. They're not supposed to tell you the best team is. So I've I've, I've stopped trying to fight that fight. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. I, I'm going to need that help. Yeah, it is interesting that at the bottom, at the end of the day, the bottom line is that uh, that's the argument is that your poll is not supposed to to rank the best teams. That's kind of what I keep getting from people, and it's like. Okay, <laughs> that seems kind of weird in a bubble. Like if you if you repeat that back to yourself and say, Jesse, when you rank teams, you're not supposed to rank them by who is the best team. It, it's sort of it's like what are we doing here? You know what are we doing? But I totally understand your point, and I totally understand why you would put Gonzaga number one because um, that's what 32 out of 65 did in the AP poll, and the other you know 31 or whatever picked Kansas and. Uh, that's usually how these polls work. Uh, I know Ken Pomeroy has talked a little bit in the past uh, couple weeks about how most of the time this is kind of viewed as a ranking, sort of, sort of like a standing system. So if you lose, like in the NFL standings, if you lose, you move down in the standings. If you win, you move up in the standings. So a lot of people view this as sort of a resume tool, as sort of a standings tool. Um, but I, I guess if I'm ranking best teams, exactly as you said, if, if Duke would be favored on neutral court against any other team, I consider them the best team, and if I'm ranking the best teams and I'm trying to do it as honestly as I can, I'm going to put Duke at the top. But we'll see how how long I want to fight that battle with all the at mentions I have on my Twitter account right now. I'm sure you've gotten your few over the years, right, Rob? Oh yeah, it's like look, you just got to stop replying to them. Just ignore it. <laughs> Tweet through, pretend it doesn't happen, and, and that's your best bet. That's the only way you're going to be able to survive. I feel like it's a good conversation. I really do, but again, you can only fight the battle for so long. Because anytime you tweet anything, there's going to be 17 other people that pop up telling you why everything that you just tweeted in like your last thread is totally wrong. And it's just, it, ugh, don't do it. Don't <laughs> suck into it. It's a mess. It's a mess. All right, Rob. Well, uh, you got you working on anything? Is there uh, what can people check out for your work coming up this week or coming up in the near future? Uh, just go check out the website, man. There's plenty of stuff up on there. And and you, if you want to hear more of what I have to say. You can find my podcast. Uh, it's at the College Basketball Talk podcast by NBC Sports. Yeah, and you also have uh, Travis Hines. So he gives you a little bit um, from the Ames Tribune. He gives you a little bit of a uh, of a Big Twelve homerism. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, Iowa State bias. <laughs> well, I know I, I listen to your guys' uh, preseason podcast on the Big Twelve. That still would relate to now. If people want to go back a, a few weeks and check out that. So Rob does great work on NBC Sports. Rob, I appreciate you joining me, and uh, thanks for taking the time to be on here. Always a pleasure, man. All right, guys, thanks for checking out the Sport Feed KC podcast. Be sure to tune in for another episode next week.